You know, uh, it's, it's that time of the year. Christmas is coming up. People start to get busy doing a whole bunch of things. But let me encourage you with this and warn you. Just as we are busy, Satan is also busy. Satan has a battle plan, a strategy to take you out, to take me out. And it's not like really obvious sometimes. Satan is a serpent, smooth, slimy. And he has a strategic battle plan. And this is what I want to talk to us about today. In order for us to fight Satan, you've got to know how he's coming at you. We can't fight what we don't know. So let's take a look at how the Bible talks about it. Then we're going to take a look at where Satan wants us to be. And then we're going to take a look at where God wants us to be. And so in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The Bible says that Satan prowls around looking for someone to devour. So even here, even though we're in church, having church, we're together, Satan is still right now thinking, out of all these people here, who can I get today? Who can I come after today? Who has an inkling in their heart, some kind of issue that I can just latch on to right now? Now we say, but we're in church. Yeah, now you got to realize Satan is looking. He's on the prowl. That's what the Bible says. He's prowling around, waiting, looking. Who can I get? He wants to start some kind of issue, either during church, something that I say, or somebody, you know, looks at you wrong, or afterwards, you didn't get the hug from that special person. He's looking for a way to start coming at you. Look at what it says in John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. And some people don't like talking about the devil. They think, oh, that's just kind of weird. Listen, you can't ignore truth. The devil is real. And you can pretend all you want he's not there. He's still going to be there. John 10, verse 10. He's talking about the devil. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus is here to give us life, but Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy, kill your spirit, and destroy your life. Satan has come for that reason. Look in James chapter 4, verse 7. James 4, verse 7. The Bible says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The devil's going to come after you, no matter who you are, whether you're visiting, whether you're a member, all that is irrelevant to the devil. Because he's going to come after you regardless. But the Bible says, if we resist the devil, then he will flee from us. Look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. Matthew 12, verse 43. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. 
Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of the man is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. What it's saying is a person can start to clean up their life. Start to change some things. Start to make some decisions. The evil will leave. But then that evil is going to always try to come back. And if we're not rooted solidly, when it comes back, it says, you know what? I'm not just coming along. Let me take some more evil spirits with me. More evil than at first. You know, there's people that could come to know Christ, walk away, and start to do things more evil than they did before they came to know Christ. That's what this is talking about. So it's preparing us. It's telling you, no matter who you are, Satan has a game plan to come after you. So we need to be aware of this. Now, as you can see from the scripture references, Satan is active. And he's the enemy of every single one of us. And there are five things that it talks about here. In Matthew, it says he returns to the house. The house is talking about our bodies, who we are. He'll return to the house. He says he came to steal, kill, destroy, and devour. See, when we're born again, Satan instantly launches an attack. When you're studying the Bible, he's going to come after you because he don't want to let you go. When you're studying the Bible, you're going to be doing so well, things are going so great, you're going to be so happy, and then Satan's going to say, okay, I got to really go on a, another level here. And then that one relationship that you ain't thought about in a long time is going to call you up on the phone. You're going to be on the, uh, uh, on the metro, and they're going to just, oh, happen to be on the same bus you're riding on, same subway you're on. That's how Satan works. Things are going to be going great, then boom, you're going to get a flat tire on your car on the highway. You're going to make, why is Satan doing this? I'm supposed to be going to a Bible study, and he's trying to stop you. When you're studying the Bible, Satan is going to come after you. You say, well, what about when I'm a Christian? You know what? That first year is probably the toughest year you're going to have. Well, it shouldn't be. We should just be so loving. We should, but you got to realize Satan is more angry because you got away from him. And so what is he going to do? He's going to try and take you back. Now, it's challenging your first year because so many things have changed. Your life, your mind, your heart, your friendship, everything has changed. And so it's all new. It's like starting high school for the first time. It's new. It's kind of scary at times. So if you're going through those things your first year, because we've had 20 people baptized into Christ in our region this year so far. Amen. So I'm talking specifically to you 20, but everybody else needs to hear because you know what I'm saying is the truth. Satan's going to come after you because he doesn't want to let you go. It's like one of them old bad relationships that you break up with somebody and they just don't want to let you go. And they start trolling you and stalking you on Facebook and doing all that stuff. They just don't want to let you go. So if you're going through trials, you need to be confident that you are doing the right thing. You need to say, you know what? If Satan wasn't coming after me, that means he didn't lose me. So he is coming after me because I left him. And so you need to stand strong and be encouraged by the fact that Satan is threatened by you instead of feeling nothing towards you. The Word of God tells us some good news along with this. 
It says, if we resist the devil, he will flee from you. Let me tell you something. No one can steal your joy if you don't let them. No one can take your victory in Christ if you don't let them. No one can take God's peace from you if you don't let them. No one can take God's praise from you if you don't let them. No one can hinder your spiritual growth if you don't let them. You are in control of where you're going in your life spiritually. Nobody can make that decision for you, even if they tell you the worst advice in the world. You know what? If your heart is there for God and you're following what God is saying, God will take care of that situation. you got to understand, God is there for you. As Christians, we need to remember that the devil is not going to give up fighting to get you back. And for some of us, we ignore that the devil is going to fight to get us back. Just like we don't like talking about the devil, we don't like talking about the fact that he's trying to get us back. But that's what he's doing. So I want to talk to us about two areas of our Christian walk that Satan has made a battleground to come after us in. In other words, there's two areas, and we're going to point out today, there's more, but there's two specific ones I think are fit to us, that Satan is saying, these are the areas I'm going to start attacking them. And if we're not prepared, he's going to win the battle. The first area is this, is in the word of God. The first area Satan's going to attack you in is in the word of God. Well, what do you mean? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons why he wants to come at you in the word of God. Reason number one, Satan knows what the word of God is capable of doing in a Christian's life. Satan, is he knows what the word of God is capable of doing in a Christian's life. Look at 2 Timothy 3.16. I'm talking kind of slow. So I want you all to write this stuff down and think about it. You remember, let me take you back. You remember in the day when we came to church, we actually took notes? looked at it, and thought about it, and prayed about it over the week, during the week? Y'all remember that? How many of y'all remember that? Don't lie. Talk about it. Okay. Now we got a new generation that doesn't write much down, but they're going to remember everything that happened. That's not reality. See, that's one of Satan's ploys, too, to get you to think, oh, I'm going to remember this thing. Oh, I got it. Guys, it's not a sign of old age to write something down. Even if you're writing it in your phone, write it in your phone. As long as you get it down, that you can look at it and review these things. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. He said he's given us the Bible, all scripture. Why? To equip us. To train us. Look in chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. 2 Timothy 2, 15 and 16. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter, because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. Godless chatter. Avoid it. You know, been in the ministry almost 28 years now. I've realized one thing about Satan. Satan does not really get too concerned 
when a church or a membership goes through a spiritual spasm. What I mean by spiritual spasm is this. That's the, uh, the spiritual excitement a person gets from a conference, a jubilee, or a youth camp. You can go to an, an event and it gets all hyped up. And Satan is like, that doesn't really bother me. Because I know they're just excited. And I know next week they're going to go back to the same old thing. Who cares? So Satan lets people enjoy a spiritual spasm for two or three days. Now what really scares Satan, not when he sees a Christian get into the Word of God, but when he sees the Word of God get into a Christian. That's when he gets scared. Because now it's not about an excitement, it's about their life is now going to change. So he's like, well, what can I do to not allow the Word of God to get into them? I'm going to use those little kids that they love, their own kids. And I'm going to have them kids annoy them so much, they're not even going to be able to read their Bible. Every time they start, they're going to knock on the door, they're going to have a question for them. I'm going to have those kids hound them over and over. Not like they demons. But he's just going to use them to do that. You know what he's going to say? He'll say, you know what? I know how I can get these campus. I'm going to produce a hit song. And now that's all they're going to be talking about is that hit song. They're going to be singing that. Instead of singing the book song of songs, they're going to be singing that hit song. They're going to start thinking about it. They're going to be playing it all the time, putting it in their headphones, walking down the street, thinking about that music and that artist. That's how I can keep all this new generation off track. Throw out some hit music for them. Get their minds focused on something else. And for all y'all older people, I'm going to make y'all sleepy. I'm going to have y'all so sleepy, you ain't going to wake up to have a quiet time in three months. You're going to think about it, but you ain't going to get up. No, no. See, Satan knows how he can get you to not get into the Word of God. Then if you do get into the Word of God, he's going to say, you know what, I need to steal that from them. How can I steal that? You know what, this is Christmas, but I'm going to make sure they get an attitude with somebody even in the Christmas season. They're going to get upset. If they got a car, I'm going to make somebody cut in front of them and tell them they number one. I'm going to find a way. If they go shopping, I'm going to make the line so long, people so rude. I'm going to take the Christmas fare from every single one of them. And then when they give Santa their Christmas list, I ain't giving them nothing. That way they can get mad at Santa Claus. See? This is what he does. Look at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Some of y'all thinking about the latest song you got going on now on your iPad. I got to delete that music. Mark 4, verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. God's word is truth, and God operates on truth. Satan, on the other hand, operates on lies. And Satan knows God's word will bring truth to your life. So as soon as it starts to come into your life, he wants to take it away real quick so you can't understand the truth. 
Look in John chapter 8, verse 31. John 8, 31 and 32. To the Jews who have believed him. Now these are believing people. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Again, they believed, but that belief was not enough. You know, there's so many people that believe in God, but look how jacked up our world is. Until you hold to the teachings, you're never going to know the truth. So he said, you not only need to hear the word of God, but you've got to hold to it. Get it in your life. Then you're going to know the truth. Look in Psalms 119, middle of your Bible, Psalms 119, verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. It says, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light for my path. When the word enters our heart, it gives us light. It says, it's a lamp for my feet. In other words, we're walking in a dark world. But the word of God is the light that lights up where you walk. You remember that Michael Jackson video of Billie Jean? He started walking and everything started lighting up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't act like y'all know Michael Jackson. Y'all listen to Michael Jackson. Look in Hebrews chapter 10. Y'all don't know Michael Jackson. I ain't going to worry about it. God loves you anyway. Okay. Hebrews 10, verse 32. It says, Remember those earlier days after you received the light, when you stood your ground and a great contest in face of suffering. Sometimes you are publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. It says, you remember in the day when you were persecuted and you stood your ground. In other words, if people said something about you or God or God's church, it didn't faze you at all. You thought, what kind of fool are you that you are going to try to oppose God? You felt like David against Goliath. Who is this fool to oppose my God? You remember those days? Guys, we got to bring those back because nowadays somebody say something to us, we're like, I don't know why the church does that. I, I, I don't know. What kind of confidence is that? Could you imagine David walking up to Goliath like, I don't know if this rock going to do anything. We'll see. Peter got towed up. It says, remember those days when you stood strong. Satan is going to come after you. You have to stay strong. You're going to have more time, supposedly, I don't know where it comes from, this holiday season. But yet, Satan is going to use that time to come after you. you got to make a decision now. How am I going to stand when Satan attacks? Let's go back to Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Mark 4, 13. 
Again, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seated on the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Mark this down, because you can depend on it happening when you receive the word of God into your heart, Satan's attacks begin. The fight is on. We are engaged in a spiritual war with Satan. What is he doing? He's trying to take the word of God away from you. He's trying to keep you out of the Bible. He's trying to make it so you won't read, so you won't pray. He doesn't want this in your life because he knows how it will change your life. Satan wants to keep the believer out of the word because it reveals who he really is. See, before we become Christians, Satan has us thinking he is for us and God is just somewhere out there, floating around up there. But then you read the word of God and you realize God has always been with me and Satan has been the liar the whole time. And that's why Satan doesn't want you to read this, because he doesn't want you to see who he really is. Look back in John 8, 42. John 8, 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. God was for us from the beginning, and Satan was against us from the beginning. And there's three little words that Satan does not want you to ever say. It is written. That's what he doesn't want you to say. It is written. He doesn't want you to know the knowledge of this, so you won't say it is written. Think about it. When he came after Satan in the, and when he came after Jesus in the, in the desert, and he was tempting him over and over, what did Jesus say? In Luke 4, 4, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. Then in verse 8, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So then Satan tried to twist the scripture and throw it at him. But if you jump down, the angels will grab you and you will not hurt yourself. He said, no, 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 that's what you said. But what it really says is, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan doesn't want us to say it is written. He doesn't want you to have the knowledge of what the Bible is saying. Because that will get you away from him. He will have to flee from you if you know the word of God. If nothing else, we need to make a decision to close out this year reading our Bible and praying every single day. Every single day. Now let me say this. It does not have to be an hour time with God. If it's 10 minutes and it's consistent every day, that will help you more than one hour a week in the Word of God. You just have a consistent time every day 
And that's what will make Satan flee from you. So the first battleground is the word of God. He does not want that in your life. The second reason he doesn't want it in your life, because Satan knows that the word of God builds the Christian faith. Satan knows the word of God builds the Christian faith. Look at Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans 10, 17. He said, well, why should I read the Bible? Why should I come to church? Let me tell you. Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. The Bible says we get our faith from, through the word of Christ. See, it's not just let me go to church this morning. We should wake up and say, let me go build my faith this morning. When you go to midweek, you should say, let me go build my faith this evening. When you go to your Bible talk, let me go build my faith this weekend. When you have discipling time with each other, let me go build my faith with them. See, we have to change our way of thinking and understand this is about building our faith. It's not about an event. It's not about church. We make too many things church. It's not about church. It's about your relationship with God, your journey with God, your walk with God. And why does Satan not want you to think like that? Because of Hebrews 11:6, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if he keeps you realizing your faith will be built through the word of Christ, if he makes you not realize you can grow in your faith, then he's got you in an unpleasing lifestyle to God. But if you want to please God, then you need to get together and let your faith be built through the word of Christ. A good definition of biblical faith is to trust and rely on God's word, whether he answers your prayers, yes or no. You will trust and rely on God's word, whether he answers your prayers with a yes or a no. Now, real quick, let me go to this. Satan wants you to have faith, but he has, I'm going to tell you the kind of faith he wants you to have. The first one is this. He wants you to be at a weak faith. W-E-A-K, a weak faith. This is the kind of faith that limits your personal benefits and privileges that are in the Bible. See, there's things we could enjoy through what the Bible is saying, but a weak faith limits the joy you can have through the Word of God. See, people at this level are saved, but usually get hung up on what they should eat, what they should drink, the music they listen to. They get hung up on little bitty things. Thinking these little bitty things determine my spirituality with the Lord, my relationship with God. If I did not share my faith with one person today, then I'm no longer going to heaven. That's a weak faith. That's not a true faith. Your faith is based on the grace of God saving you, not based upon all the things you can do. But see, a weak faith starts to bring up little issues and concerns. You know what? We sang too many songs today. You know what? They passed me the communion tray in a different order today. I need to come in this way, not this way. You know, you get caught up in little bitty things. That's totally irrelevant. That's not a salvation issue. But Satan wants you focused on all those little bitty things. That's not right, guys. And But he wants to keep you at a weak faith. But instead of coming and building your faith, you're coming to see what's wrong with the church. 
What's wrong with what's happening? Why he talking about his daughter's birthday? Why he talking about his birthday? Ain't nobody said nothing about my birthday. Let me talk about my birthday. When is my birthday? You don't even know when my birthday is, but I got to know when your birthday is. Seriously, is that a heaven and hell issue? Is that a salvation issue? But that's what he wants to get you hung up on. So if it bothers you today, you got a weak faith. Secondly, he wants you to have a temporary faith. This is the kind of faith that's based more on emotion and feeling than on the Word of God. It's the kind that springs up for a little while. I had a quiet time today. Yay! Then you walk outside and the bus is late. Oh, my gosh. The world's coming to an end. Five minutes late. Okay. See, it's a temporary faith where you just get that little spiritual spasm, but then it goes away as soon as you walk out the door or close the Bible. He wants you to have a mental or historical faith. This is the kind of faith that believes that the Bible is the Word of God. It believes that there are blessings in the Bible. It believes that what God says is true. But all these things, it believes, but it doesn't act on it. It believes it, but it doesn't believe that it's going to be in their life if they live it out. They believe it's out there somewhere in the world, but it doesn't really apply to them. See, that's a mental faith. It's all mental. We know the Bible's true. We know these things are real, but we don't act on it. And then the fourth kind of faith Satan wants you to have is a wavering faith. That's called a a double-mindedness. Is having uncertainty of the mind as to whether this God thing really works. It's like, you know what, I want to study the Bible. Uh, you know what, I, I can't do it today, though. But you know what, I'm going to study the Bible next week after church. Uh, but I can't come to church. Uh, but then, you know what, let's get together and have some detail. time. But you know what, something, I don't know, something come up. I can't do it this day. You know what, there's so many yes and no's that God don't even know if it's yes or no. It's just always, yeah, 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 but this is that. See, that's a wavering faith. See, that is not what God wants us to have. So what does God want us to have? First of all, he wants us to have a strong faith. Look in Romans chapter 4, verse 18. A strong faith. This is the kind of faith that goes the second mile. Romans 4, verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. You know, again, it says Abraham reasoned in his faith. In other words... He sat down and he thought, you know what? I'm as good as dead. My body's so jacked up. I can't have kids. If I did, I couldn't chase them little things around. I don't know what's going to happen here. But because God said it, that's enough. It's going to happen because that's what God said. See, that's the kind of faith he had. Guys, sometimes when we're going through challenges, we just need to stop and settle down for a moment and reason this thing out. 
We need to reason out. You know how many times I have people approach me and say, you know what? Maurice didn't talk to me this week. I don't think he likes me no more. I don't think he believes in me and trusts in me. I've had conversations like this. You know what? That person needs to sit down and just reason it out. There's 457 people in this group. I may not get to everybody every single Sunday. It doesn't mean I don't love you. It just means there's a lot of people around. There's a lot going on. And sometimes, well, you didn't hug me, brother. Sister, you didn't hug me either. I'm right here. You know what I'm saying? It's a two-way thing. Well, you didn't see me standing there. Did you see me? Because you, you saw me. I saw you. But that don't count. Why doesn't that count? See, Satan wants us to get off focus. We need to have a strong faith, and that means sometimes reasoning things out. Just sit down and think about it for a moment. And God will make it clear to what needs to happen. Not only that, but he wants us to have an unwavering faith. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says we need to, um, well, let's just read it. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing or coming to church 10, 15 minutes late when he's preaching. Now, that may not exactly be in there like I just said, but that's true. But let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Let us not give up meeting together or coming late, as some are in the habit of doing, it says we need to hold firmly. We don't need to swerve back and forth. Well, I got there 20 minutes early the week before, so I got time to make up. I got 20 minutes that I can be late to make up for the 20 minutes early. No, let your yes be yes and your no be no. But it says let's not give up meaning. Don't have an unwavering faith. I'm going to church this Sunday, but I got a sniffle, so I can't go. My dog started coughing the other night, so I can't go, but I got to watch my dog. You know, and all of a sudden, your dog's sick, so now you, your wife, and four kids got to stay home because Ren 1010 got a sniffle. I'm like, come on now. Does it take all that for Cujo just to make it through the day? We cannot have a wavering faith. We need to let our yes be yes. We need to show up and be ready to go. Why do we show up early? So we can encourage one another and not just make it there. Again, if you're thinking, I'm going to build my faith, you're going to be there early. You're going to be there ready to go. If that's your mindset, to build your faith. If you're just going to church, you don't care what time you get there. So my question is, are you going to church or are you going to build your faith? See, these are the levels that God wants you at. A strong faith, unwavering faith, and, and thirdly, an active faith. An active faith. This is the kind of faith that acts upon the word of God as it's made clear. In Luke 5, verse 5. I'm going to speed up for a minute now, sorry. Luke 5, verse 5. It says, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the net. He was tired. He worked all night. He didn't have a metro car to get a ride wherever. He had, still had to walk. 
But he said, because you said so, Jesus. That was good enough for him, because you said so. Satan knows if he wants to keep you out of the word of God because of how, that can change your life. Secondly, Satan knows the word of God will build your faith. So he wants to keep you out of the word of God. He doesn't want your life to change, and he doesn't want your faith to be built. And then thirdly and finally, Satan knows that the word of God renews the Christian mind. The word of God renews the Christian mind. Again, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves, your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, when will we be able to test this? Once we transform our mind. See, here's the thing. It's possible to love the Lord with all your heart, to be baptized and turn your heart over to Christ, but still keep your same worldly mindset. Now, I'm going to say it again because that didn't get through because some people stuck in their mindset. You can become a Christian, give your life to the Lord, but your mind still stays in that worldly place. That's what we mean when we say you bring the world into the kingdom. You physically may be here, but your mind may still be worldly. That's why it says in Philippians 2.5, have the same mindset, same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Making Jesus Lord and surrendering the waters of baptism shows the right that, that our fight with God is over. But our fight with the devil is not. Because what pleases the devil is that is to plant a Christian in the membership with a worldly mindset. He's happy as a fat rat in a cheese factory when that happens. He's like, I got somebody in there, and they got my mindset? Oh, yeah, we're going to have a heyday in here. Because I'm going to twist all these singles around. I'm going to make them start thinking that it's okay to go out and do whatever you want to do with whoever you want to do it. I'm going to get in all these marriages and make them start fighting and make one of them not act like a Christian. That way both of them won't act like a Christian. I'm going to get in these teens. I'm going to make them blame their mama and daddy for everything in the world. I'm going to get in these campus kids. I'm going to make them forget about commitment. You just show up when you want to show up. Do what you want to do. Act like you want to act. Nobody really cares. This is what Satan wants. He wants to get in the fellowship but keep the mind that he had in the beginning. That's where he's at. You know, uh, our minds are similar to a computer. When you program a computer, whatever you feed into it is what it can work with and come out with. Our minds, whatever we feed into it, if we feed into it the Word of God, what comes out of it? A life according to the Word of God. If you feed the world into your mind, what comes out of it? A worldly person. He says, renew your mind. Quit thinking like you used to think. Quit going down that road like you used to go down there. Change it. How do you change it? Get into the Word of God. But see, here's the thing. When you reprogram a computer, that old is gone. Deleted. And whatever new is in there should be in there. And see, this is what the Spirit of God wants to do. He wants to delete all that old and put in the new. 
But sometimes we don't let all the old be deleted. We let three-fourths of it, five-sixths of it. We still just keep a little bit at the back door of the world in our mind. But when you keep that little bit, you know what happens then? We all fall into what's called a default mode. When you get to a point that you, either you don't know what to do, or it's stressful, or it's tense, or something like that just gets, gets you kind of anxious, you just revert back to the way you used to be. Now, all y'all that don't want to nod or say amen, that's cool, but that's your default mode. Because what I mean is, default mode is, if I'm a Christian and I'm coming to build my faith, I'm going to say something, amen, clap my hands, I don't smoke no more. If I did, I'd light a light. I would do whatever it could to make sure that I'm encouraging those around me. But my default mode is, if I say something, how are people going to look at me? What are they going to think of me? Because last week, you know, I confessed sin to them, and if I say amen this week, they're going to think, you Pharisee, you hypocrite. We get so caught up in what everybody thinks that it's no longer about us and God. Guys, everything is about you and God. It, it doesn't matter what anybody else does around you. So, bottom line is this. If you want to walk away with something today, you need to walk away with a, as serious a conviction about getting into the Word of God as Satan has a serious conviction about keeping you out of the Word of God. That's it. Either you're going to be in or you're going to be out. This is an in or out sermon for you today. If you're visiting, we want you in, but you've got to make a decision to let the Word of God in. And once you let it in, then you have that lifestyle. If you're already a member, you've got to make a decision here because there's a, there's a lot of issues that we need to make sure we're training our mind to deal with. Because number one, Satan's going to keep throwing little attitudes at you to get you mad at people. I've been talking about this for almost a year and a half. So eventually, and I'm not going to stop until it clicks. So if y'all just still like, why do you keep talking about it? It's not clicking all the way yet. Well, how do you know? Why are you mad I'm talking about it? That means it's not clicking yet. You've got to deal with the attitudes with people. Secondly, you've got to make sure you are in the Word of God every single day. This is what it's all about, guys. Satan's coming after you. He doesn't want the end of this year to end with you on a good, no good note with the Lord. So he said, I'm going to come after him. And the number one battle plan he has for you is to keep you out of the Word of God and to keep the Word of God out of you. Don't let it happen. I love you. To God be the glory. Amen. Yeah.